0: Good day, and welcome to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis. PR Insider is brought to you by www.us.cision.com, whose world-famous Bacon's Media Database is updated more than 10,000 times per day. Take your PR to the next level. Now, here's your host, Maureen Kettis.
1: Welcome to PR Insider. I'm your host, Maureen Kettis, and this is our first show of 2009. And um, I have great news. We just got picked up for another 13 episodes from our incredibly generous and smart sponsor, Cision. Visit their website, www.cision.com. And they're smart because what Cision is doing by sponsoring the show is a form of social media. That's um, really at the forefront of, P- of PR in today's climate, which we'll explain in a minute. So before we begin and introduce our guests, mark your calendars now due to high ratings. We've been moved to Fridays, and we'll start airing every Friday beginning January 16th. So there's no show next Tuesday. Instead, tune in on Friday, January 16, 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern on Voice America Radio Network's Business Channel. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Uh, for the future, we do take call-ins and emailed questions, so email me now. Go to PRinsider.biz to learn more. And don't forget to sign up for email alerts. And don't forget also that you can always get archived episodes on Voice America's website or PRinsider.biz. And we give away prizes. So we've got an incredible lineup today. Today's episode was titled The Secrets of Social Marketing. Um, But another title I thought could have been something like Socializing with the Rockin' Internet Guys. But my producer shot me down on that one. Today's episode features... Paul Gillen from www.gillen.com, and David Meerman Scott at www.davidmeermanscott.com. Who are they? Simply the most social guys I know, social media guys, and I thought it was high time we talked to some real men about their social life because we talked to mommies and mommy bloggers and Paul Gillen is a writer and content marketing consultant specializing in technology and new media. He was founding editor in chief of Tech Target, one of the most successful Internet media companies. And previously he was editor in chief and executive editor of Computer World where he received more than 100 editorial awards during his tenure. And his um, award-winning book, The New Influencers, New Influencers, chronicles the changes in markets being driven by the new breed of bloggers and podcasters. And his latest book, Secrets of Social Media Marketing, uh, was just published. He's also a research fellow at the Society for New Communications Research. And his website, again, is gillen.com. Second guest, David Meerman Scott. You can find him at davidmeermanscott.com. He worked in the online news and information business. Uh, He held executive positions in an electronics information division of Knight Ritter, at the time one of the world's largest newspaper companies. In 1995, he joined Desktop Data, which became NewsEdge Corp. Uh, he was vice president of marketing at NewsEdge until 2002, and he developed a one-day seminar called The New Rules of Marketing, which is taught to corporate groups around the world, and he's the author of several books, Tuned In, The New Rules of Marketing and PR, and Cashing In with Content. Paul and David, welcome.
2: It's, it's great, great to Paul. be Thank here, you, Maureen. Maureen. Thank you,
1: So just tell tell our listeners quickly um, how you know each other, how you guys know each other, because it's a social world out there, but it's all online. So how do you know each other, and how have you interacted in the
3: past? I guess I'll take that one, uh, because I had originally looked up, David, I was writing a book, uh, The New Influencers, and I was looking for people who had initiated successful viral marketing campaigns, and I was trolling through a site called Marketing Sherpa, which has some great great case studies on it. And I came across uh, David, who's... Viral marketing ebook had been uh, had been I think their their top case of 2005 or 2006, and I discovered that David lived not too far away from me, so uh, I tracked him down and we uh, met for lunch. At that point, we had no idea that we were going to wind up uh, <laughs> on the same speaking circuit and in, in the same market.
1: Right, and so, but you know, it's 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 you do take different tacks and you do have you know different different angles that you work. But it's but it's uh, it's such a new world. You know, I, what I was surprised about and maybe, David, you can answer this one, is um, when my producer first uh, proposed to me that I have social media guys on, I pictured 25, 35-year-old guys. And <laughs> then I pulled up your pictures, and, and you know, you guys are very uh, handsome. and, and We, buffed, looked, but we, we look in our pictures,
2: <laughs> don't you think?
1: And I was, and I was surprised <laughs> by... Um, uh, the seniority now that you know that social media has has advanced to where it's, people are not so young. So can we talk about that a little bit? I mean, what is the age? And
2: yeah, I mean this, and this is David. Um, in my, in my experience, uh, the younger crowd tends to be really really good at the technology aspects. You know, they know their way around the keyboards and they know HTML and they, you know, they can set up a blog in ten seconds or less. Um, but what Paul and I both have um is is both of us have worked um, as working journalists and have worked for media companies. And um what what and I, I think Paul would agree, but I won't I won't speak for him. What I learned about reaching people online and social media marketing or social media PR, whatever we want to call this stuff, is that um, it's not about thinking like a marketer. It's not about thinking like a PR person. It's not about the technology. Instead, it's about publishing really, really interesting information that that perfectly reaches the people that you're trying to reach so we and and my book is called the new rules of marketing and pr people always want to know what are the old rules the old rules are that you either had to um, buy access to the media through advertising or you had to beg the media for access through public relations uh, and media relations and the new rule is that you just publish information yourself i mean how liberating is that and i think that us old guys, <laughs> have, have published information throughout our career, and we were among the first people to sort of articulate this idea that the great way to reach people online is to publish information directly. It's so a really different kind of concept when, than what most people were talking about uh, around what social media is, which is more around the technology aspects.
1: So you're saying that the older crowd <clears throat> is really good at um, fine-tuning and honing the content. But maybe the younger crowd can, knows how to get that content out. Is,
2: is well, I think what we had experience, or what we had, ex- both Paul and I had experience doing, is, is creating information, you know, writing stories, um, magazine columns, newspaper columns, and, and videos and, and, and audio, you know, um, information as well. And that's the skill that's most um, applicable for social media marketing because what you're doing is you're creating something interesting that people want to consume. And that interesting thing could be a photograph or it could be a, 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 a text um, article, So perhaps a blog post. It could be a video. And, um, and I think that there, the experience that's valuable to be able to do that really well um, are the skills of someone who's a journalist, who's got a journalism background, or or they don't need to have the background per se, but who has that kind of mindset, that this is about creating things that's interesting, rather than the marketing, uh, the advertising mindset, which is around coercion and interruption and, and, and getting people to do your thing by banging them
3: over the head with something.
1: Right, and I think the kids, you know, a lot of the kids are, have have the short attention span problem
3: from I, I think David's uh, right on the mark and I the uh, thing that's amazed me about spending the last 3 years in social media is realizing how many of the uh, lessons that I learned in 23 years of publishing apply directly to this new market I mean when I was writing um, my latest book Secrets of Social Media Marketing I basically much of that book was was a, a brain-dump of what I learned about publishing, and uh, and it, it fits very well with the new mantra of marketing, which is to engage in conversation, attract your customers with interesting content, and to form a lasting relationship with them. So uh, Dave is right on the mark. We are making a transition now to, uh, to a world in which uh, engagement and conversations Define the landscape, and just to speak to the, the kids, I think the kids are very good at using the tools. I don't think they have, they don't have the experience or the context yet to understand the bigger picture of how the tools can be applied to business objectives. So there actually is a nice um, uh, there's a symbiosis there when the older folks who understand how marketing works can work together with the kids who, for whom the tools are just second nature.
1: Yeah, right. They can just they can just get it all.
3: And
2: and and, and what I what I learned is that um, people who have just the skills of a marketer or advertiser or PR person, it's a it's a it can be a difficult transition to understand how to do social media. Um, marketing and social media PR because um, if, you, if you have exclusively the skills of a marketer or an advertiser or a PR person, you tend to apply what worked in an offline world to the online world and that just doesn't work as well. So that's why I think Paul and I were two people who came up with these ideas earlier than a lot of other people because we didn't come at it from the, from the marketing or PR or advertising perspective. We came at it from the editorial journalistic kind of perspective, and then we were able to apply that to the online world. And that's why I think a lot of people who came from the sort of Madison Avenue background and applied their skills to the online world, basically it's not working. And they're all about, you know, fancy banner ads and things like that, which just don't work so well.
1: Yeah, I know. And I I know for me personally, you know, because um, I'm in my 40s and I've been around PR for a long time, but it's, um, it's been a really hard transition to, you know, to, to take that step. I did not come from a, a, a journalistic, although the writing was always strong. But yet it's been a hard, and you have to grow and change because it's... it's
2: a- absolutely, and, and the change. challenges that people who come from the PR background face is that they've spent their whole lives trying to convince others to say something, or if the news is bad, to convince them not to say something. And what's different about this is you don't need someone else to say it for you. you Just say it yourself. <laughs> Different stuff.
1: Right, right. And, but I think you know, the good thing is that, that the content and the emotion is still the key. You know, that's always been the key, and that's still the key, but now it's about um, you know, how, how you get the message out. Um, when, we're going to take a break in a minute, but what I want to come back to talk about is a little bit about you know, the, the prestige of traditional media versus social media and how social media is affecting the traditional media. Because a lot of times you see stories get picked up. I mean, it's right. happening every day. Um, from all the stuff that's going on on the Internet. So um, we're going to take a break in a second. Um, When we come back, we will have more social media discussion with my wonderful guest, David Meerman Scott, a marketing strategist, entrepreneur, and keynote speaker. Um, Check out his blog at Webinknow.com And Mr. Paul Gillen, he's a writer, speaker, and online marketing consultant. Uh, Check out his blog at paulgillen.com. And this is your host, Maureen Keddis. We'll be back in a minute.
4: All we talk about is money. Call us toll free 866-472-5790 and talk to the experts. We talk money all the time. Voice of America Business.
6: Hi,
0: my name is Aaron, and I'm a survivor of mannequinism. Mannequinism is basically when you turn into a hard plastic shell, they say it's from not being politically active. For me, it started when I didn't register to vote, and then I stopped volunteering and before I knew it, I wasn't doing anything, and that's when I found a small patch of plastic on my right shoulder.
6: Protect yourself from mannequinism. Log on to fightmannequinism.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Cision's communication intelligence allows organizations to tell their story effectively. Whether they're speaking to TV networks or social networks, the company's Point web platform integrates the world-class Bacon's Media Database with global media monitoring and analysis services. It gives communications professionals the tools they need to optimize their performance and build corporate and brand reputation. Find us on the web at www.us.cision.com. That's us.cision.com. C-I-S-I-O-N dot com.
4: Parents, did you know that high school dropouts make 42% less than graduates? Someone will have to make up that difference, and chances are, that will be you. That means paying 42% of their groceries. Ooh, more candy. 42% of their dentist bills. No, no. Even forty-two percent of their therapy sessions. Oh, my dad's fault. Save your money. Encourage your kids to stay in school. For help and advice, call eight seven seven F O R A K I D. A message from the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. The Internet's only all business and financial radio network. Voice America Business. <laughs>
0: the show.
1: Welcome back to PM We are sponsored by Cision. Don't forget to visit their website us.cision.com. I'm your host Maureen Kenneth. We've been talking with David Meerman Scott. Don't forget to leave. Don't uh, forget to uh, put the Meerman in there to differentiate him from a lot of other David Scotts. And uh, Paul Gillen. Um, Paul Gillen is the author of Secrets of Social Media. Uh, sorry. Secrets of Social Media Marketing, and David Merriman Scott is the author of The New Rules of Marketing in PR. Um, guys, welcome back from the break. Um, so we were talking about um, traditional media prestige. Now, because I still think, and I'm, I tell me if I'm old school, but I still think that you get, let's say you get um, a new product um, and people start blogging about it and it's fabulous, and then um, uh, Katie Kurt picks it up and does a story on it. Doesn't that still have a huge weight? And is there still a value in some of the traditional media? Who wants to start, David?
2: Paul, you want to grab
3: that? Yeah. Well, it absolutely does, and and traditional media has uh, has huge importance still. In fact, the uh, online and print and uh, subscriber uh, viewership of newspaper websites is at its highest level ever. Uh, So the need and, and much.
1: That's a good point, and maybe David, you can take a stab at it. So, how how are we going to measure? How do we measure? Uh, when how does a company measure where their success is coming from? If for an example, where it was in the Wall Street Journal?
2: Yeah, well, that, I mean that's actually a pretty good example, and because um, uh, there's a couple of different ways to measure the success of something like being in the Wall Street Journal, and I think what is something that's sometimes overlooked but is extremely valuable, is just the whole credibility factor. When the Wall Street Journal talks about you or or your company or your products, they've they've given you a stamp of credibility. And um, that is something that's worth measuring, that's measurable. You've got a a, a credibility point in in your favor. And when you go to pitch new business in the future or something you can put on your website or in your brochures, you know, that you were quoted in the Wall Street Journal. Um, right. But
3: that,
2: but that doesn't necessarily um, uh, respond directly to a measurement of sales. And, and, you know, Paul and I have both experienced something that's a, a pretty remarkable thing. And I, I remember um, it was about a, a year ago, Paul's first book came out, and he got a review in the Wall Street Journal. I mean, he big, fat, honkin' review in the Wall Street Journal of your book. I mean, any author would be salivating at that. And in my case, I got a front-page story that I was quoted on in the small business section of the Wall Street Journal. I mean, the front page of the small business section, and here I am with a big, fat quote talking about, um, in in this example, I was talking about viral marketing, and they talked about my book. And and in both of our cases, and Paul, correct me if I'm wrong, because you and I have talked about this a couple of times, in both of our cases there was very little result that we could see in sales of books. I mean, it was like 30 or 40 copies that we might have sold as a result of being in the Wall Street Journal. I mean, most people think that all of a sudden, you know, you're gonna have a bestseller because you were, you were reviewed in the Wall Street Journal, and, Paul, and the review of Paul's book was very positive. Um, contrast that and Paul and I both have these experiences as well of having a blogger say something you know a popular blogger say something good about your book and then you go to Amazon and you realize that you've you you know in terms of the, the real-time rankings that you've gone from maybe number 5,000 on the Amazon rankings to number 20 on the Amazon rankings as a result of a blogger saying something good about you um, now you now, if you were to go to your mother or your potential client and say, well, you know, such, such a blogger talked about me, well, that's not very interesting. But to say the New York, uh, the Wall Street Journal just reviewed my book and it was a very positive review, now that is something on the credibility side. So there's two very, very different forms of measurement. I want both. Right. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want to give up the credibility of the Wall Street Journal in order to have the sales of the book. But on the other hand, you can't just rely on that credibility of the Wall Street Journal because then the, the sales won't come. It has been proven time and time again that that mainstream media doesn't necessarily result in sales. I mean, there's an obvious exception in the case of books of someone like Oprah. but um, I mean, I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Paul, but I remember yeah, distinctly I, when that review came out. I was like, oh, my God, Gillen got this great review. And I went over to Amazon. I was like it's sitting there in the same place it was the day before. Uh,
3: yeah, there was about two weeks. It, it, it uh, The review helped sales for about two weeks, and then they dropped right back down. And what really... Uh, has kept uh, the, the sales of my book steady uh, over the last year, it has been lots and lots of blogger and podcaster and uh, programs like this. Uh, you know, I never turned down an opportunity to do programs like this because that what is what has really done it. I think uh, Dave's making an important point, which is what the disruptive power of social media is that it's creating, it's redefining the uh, trusted brands, the concept of trusted brands. You know, We have grown up with an idea that there were a, a small number of brands that we could really count upon, and uh, with all of these people now able to publish for themselves, there are new trusted brands emerging, only they may have names like Michael Arrington or, or Robert Scoble or David Muirman Scott, people that uh, otherwise would not have had the visibility uh, in the past because they had to go through immediate gatekeeper are now able to go... Around the gatekeeper and publish directly, and as a result, these new trusted brands are emerging, and in certain contexts, they can have more influence than the traditional brands we've had for many years.
1: Right, and and um, you know they become like it's sort of like the difference of a friend recommending something, and then or you reading it in a newspaper. But I think like the old advertising used to work. You know, with there was a an ad on the bus stop and then there was an ad in the subway and then there was a TV ad and finally the TV ad made you go to the store and buy the product. I mean, I think in the same case you might see something in the Wall Street Journal but not actually go buy the book until your friend online, your social media connect recommends it and you go, oh, so-and-so liked it. Well, then I'm going to go buy it.
2: Right. Oh, and, remember, right, uh, And then also with word of, um, I call it word of mouse, but word of, the idea of word of mouse with marketing is is huge and if 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 I, um, you know, need to buy a baby stroller, um, and I send out a message to some of my friends, um, I'll, get a, I'll get a URL. That's what comes back. Someone will say, oh, check out this one. This one's really good. Or check out this site. They do reviews of baby strollers. Or, or check out this blog. They just talked a lot about baby strollers. Um, it, people don't say, oh, I read in the Wall Street Journal or I read in, um, in Parenting Magazine that this is the best one. They either um, tell you from experience which one they like right. or they send you a link. So the value of having something that's linkable is, is, is it's just not to be underestimated. It's really, really important stuff.
3: I want to I want to uh, reinforce that. Uh, there's a story that someone told me. I can't remember who right now, but they, they were doing marketing for a software company, and they had gotten an article in a leading technology journal, which I, I won't name, uh, but they had also gotten a mention on Robert Scoble's blog. Now Scoble is one of the top one of the world's top bloggers, and they tracked the performance, and they could they got uh, one link that they could trace to the story in the uh, in the publication, and they got over 130 click-throughs from Scoble's blog. Now, part of that is the trust factor that David mentioned, but also part of it is that you can't underestimate the importance of this linking, of this clickability, the idea that we are learning to communicate with each other now by exchanging links, and that is that's critical for marketers and public relations people to understand everything you do should be online because you want people to be clicking and linking through to you. Uh, this idea that everything had to be filtered through the media, you put so much faith in the power of the media to get it right. Now what you really want the, do, the media to do is to link to you, so that you're the one telling the story, not them.
1: Right, right. I mean, it's, it's almost like the, you know, in the old days it was, you know, oh, you have to get editorial con- you know, content as opposed to advertising, because editorial is more credible. Well, now social media is more credible than editorial, you know it's
3: it's it's, it's amazing well, the definition of who the editors are is changing right There are some twenty five right. million active bloggers in the u s right now. those people are all editors in in their own in their own way
1: right 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 um and and then building that prestige is, is the whole the whole next secret you know becoming becoming a leading blogger, which uh, david you you kicked kick in. <laughs> oh, we're gonna have to take a break in a minute and when we come when we when we come back, I really want to talk about how Obama won the election using social media, and what's the future of these sort of aggregate um, social media sites. So this is your host, Maureen Kedis. I've been talking with David Muirman scott and Paul Gillen. Uh, we will be right
6: back in a minute after this break.
4: Sell, buy, buy, sell. All we talk about is money. Talk to an expert. Call now. Call Call free 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business.
5: Are you paying too much for term life insurance? There's a price war among the major term life carriers. Consider these possible rates. A man age 45, non-tobacco user could obtain $1 million of coverage for as little as $75 a month. And this rate is fixed for the next 10 years. We specialize in policies of $500,000 and above. A man age 50, non-tobacco user may be able to obtain $500,000 thousand dollars of coverage for as little as one hundred fifteen dollars per month and this rate is fixed for the next twenty years that's right guaranteed not to change for twenty years we have great rates for smokers too for new or replacement term life insurance call the term lifeline now 800-890-5075 800-890-5075 that's 800-890-5075
6: Cision's communication intelligence allows organizations to tell their story effectively. Whether they're speaking to TV networks or social networks, the company's Cision Point web platform integrates the world-class Bacon's Media Database with global media monitoring and analysis services. It gives communications professionals the tools they need to optimize their performance and build corporate and brand reputation. Find us on the web at www.us.cision.com. That's us.cision.com. C I S I O N dot
4: From the stock market floor to your laptop, we are Voice America Business.
0: the show.
2: You know, it's the idea um, that you can have an outward manifestation like logos and colors and whatnot, and and, and and people were so focused on that for so many years as being really important, this idea of branding, and that's what advertising agencies all of a sudden started to sell is this idea of branding, and um, I, I think it just makes people crazy because CEOs then think that marketing and communications is really wishy-washy because we talk about these nebulous things like branding, and it's it's just sort of gets everybody silly. <laughs> so
1: you're saying it's not? It doesn't? Well, I mean, branding is important. Are you saying it's not important at all?
2: I mean, the, the it, it all comes the down to your emotion. definition of branding. Um, I mean, I, in my definition, a brand, a company's brand, is whatever its um, customers, partners, potential customers, employees says it is. Um, I think that you can influence that in a in a whole number of ways. Um, but to focus obsessively on the outward manifestations uh. of the brand it is something that um, that a lot of CEOs have come to really not respect, because all these agencies will come in and say, oh, we've got to work on your brand, and they sell them, you know, quarter-million-dollar logo makeovers.
1: Right, right.
5: And,
2: and I think that that has given marketing and communications a bad name, which is why I, I really try to avoid that word. I really try to avoid talking about it. And, um, and whenever I'm with an executive, I, I never go near that aspect of, of things. I, I really just think of marketing simply as, as logos. Yeah. An
3: example yeah. of that is Southwest Airlines. Uh, you We're know, having a little was. bit of a
1: technical difficulty. Um, it's a little bit of static, so for people who are still listening, I appreciate you um, plowing through it. The network has just sent me an IM saying that they are working on it. Um, okay, so let's talk about, and of course right when I say it, it gets better, like calling the doctor when you're sick and then you feel better. Um, I want to talk first about Obama, and and I heard today on the news that he's no longer twittering. <laughs> so he um, was hacked. Yeah, his Twitter was <laughs> hacked, but um, so he can't Twitter, which is really you know I need a president who twitters. I don't know about you, but um, tell me what you think about um, you know how Obama used social networking. What was your just your, your gut feeling and and and. What did it mean well,
3: to you? The, the, uh, what Obama did, I uh, remarkable. This is the first campaign, I think, that really got it right with, with social media. Uh, he had over 2 million uh, contacts through his Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, MySpace, and uh, importantly, I think there were a dozen vertical social networks that he was a member of, uh, and it, it he acquired over two million followers or friends through these various activities, and I think that the campaign looked at each of those people had a magnifying effect because someone who volunteers to be a friend, who chooses to be your friend, is uh, you know that's what you would call a hot lead. That's someone who is going to take your message and spread it to others. So they saw these two million people as a conduit, with potentially each one of them uh, to to ten of their friends so a uh, remarkable job of working at a grassroots level uh, two other things i want to say about that one is that uh, david said earlier you are the media and that absolutely is the case now you know uh, political campaigns have always been built around the 30 second spot and the event was always uh, the event didn't start until the media showed up what the obama campaign did is they were broadcasting all the time so any time the candidate Wanted. They would put out a Twitter message. They'd post a video. They'd answer a question. Uh, they were always broadcasting. They didn't wait for the media to deliver the message for them. Secondly, is these dozen vertical social networks he was on. They were things like there was an Asian network, a couple of Hispanic uh, Spanish language networks. Um, one was for uh, gay uh, gay voters, and they used these. They didn't post original content to these forums. They posted the same content to all of them, but the feedback that they got. Was different for each forum. So they were able to use that to tune into the various constituencies that they wanted to reach and understand what issues were important to them. Just, I think, a magnificent effort all around.
2: The other thing that's um, often overlooked about um, the whole Obama campaign and social media is the idea that um, we as voters, collectively we, um, look to people who can lead us and also a little bit to people who are like us. I mean, remember famously um, George Bush um, and his campaign used that silly line, who would you rather have a beer with? Um, and, and, and well, he was appe- appealing to people in the Midwest who, you know, drink a lot of beer and watch football games and whatnot, and they would vote for George Bush. But what what Obama did that was so interesting was he made it, He made it known subtly, or his campaign made it known subtly, that he is wired. He's plugged in. He uses a BlackBerry. He was photographed with a BlackBerry in his hand a number of different times. You could become his friend on Facebook. You could follow his Twitter feed. And by definition, he's saying to hundreds of millions of people, I'm just like you. You know, I'm not I'm not some closeted politician in a glass office somewhere, um, like John McCain, who famously said that he doesn't know how to use a computer. No, I'm I'm somebody who's who's with it and doing this stuff, and I think people were ready to vote for a, a president who is online just like they are, and that, that's a huge number of people.
1: Yes, yes, and and accessible, and and it just speaks to everything. You know, demographically, you know finding out what people's needs are and the accessibility of it, um, and also being the first to get your message out. I mean, there's some credibility to being the first guy to get the message out as opposed to seeing it on the news. If, if you see it on the news, you go, yeah, Yo, Obama already told me about that. Now, right, now you right. really, and really it's, trust It's the him.
2: whole cultivating fans thing. I mean, I remember I was I was on vacation in Tucket Island in Massachusetts in August, and um, and I wake up and I logged onto Twitter, and there was a message from Obama saying he chose Joe Biden as, as his running mate. And it's like, oh, my God, Obama told me directly that Joe Biden's his running right. mate. I didn't see it on CNN. I didn't see it in the New York Times. I saw it on my Twitter feed. Right. And, and, a, and that, that is, that's an, a remarkable way to communicate.
1: Right. You feel like you know the person. It's much, much. It takes the barriers off. It puts us all on a level playing field, including him, which makes him accessible, reachable, and more trustworthy.
3: And why would you want somebody else to tell your story? I mean, what right. David's describing is right, he's you going directly the message. to the voters. Why would you want the media to tell your story when you're when you can tell it better?
1: Right, and you control the message. You know, which is the key.
3: The key. Thing. Exactly.
1: So let's talk about. Um, we're going to have to go to the third break in four minutes, but I want to start talking about, and I'm sure we'll continue after break. Is what's going on with this? Um, you know, Web 2.0, how it's going to be evolving, and this. Google Friend and this Power.com, all this aggregating of all the social networks. What, what is, what's happening? What's, where are we going with all this? Because it's, it's almost too much. We, I get overwhelmed at the Facebook and the LinkedIn and the Twitter, and it's just like I need some kind of aggregate. And I think that's where it's going. Am I wrong?
3: You will see. I think that the dominant trend of the next two years will be efforts to harmonize all of these social networks because it is out of control right now. You are, you could have different logins, different profiles on each social network, and nobody can keep up with all that. The question is, who is going to make it happen? And I would have to give Google the front-runner status right now. Uh, Google is essentially trying to convert the entire Internet into a big social network. And uh, they have uh, you know, they have the, the throw weight, I think, to do that. But we're going to come out of this. Open ID is sort of a, a first iteration of that, but I think we're going to come out of this with a much more... Um, coherent approach to unifying our various profiles and controlling access to profiles so that we can selectively reveal information uh, about ourselves to to the people we want to see it. Uh, it is a mess right now and and a lot of work is going on to try to straighten it out.
1: It is a mess. It's it's like you you can't keep up. Every day I'm try- I'm finding new things that I, you know, people are using as sort of their vernacular and I haven't heard of it yet. <laughs> you know, and I'm I and think all I'm... of
3: these right, all these new products, all these new services coming yeah. out and you feel you feel helpless. You can't keep up with all of it.
1: Yes. And I think that's why guys like you are really really great for 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 corporations, and I'm not just floating your boat here, but I mean, when, when you have a service, like with the consulting with either one of you, I think it gives companies, small companies, small businesses, and big companies some sort of peace of mind that they know they can call somebody and help them sort through this just massive Sea of information and I remember we're all, had, we're all drowning
3: in it. <laughs> I know it's not
1: you're not alone I mean I remember i was um I had the mommy blogger two of the leading mommy bloggers on, and they were even saying you know oh, this is coming out and I'm overwhelmed, and I'm trying to you know there's a new this coming out I mean just you, you just can't keep up, but so. at the
2: same time, we don't read all the newspapers either we don't read all the magazines right. either. I mean, you walk into a big newsstand there's like thirty newspapers and five hundred magazines, you don't you, you choose the one you want
1: but I think with I the don't think you have to
2: try to. To tame the entire information mountain, that's you true. pick what works for you, and don't do other things, and that's perfectly fine. Right, but nothing it's, wrong with that.
1: But it's, I think, you know, newsstands and traditional media is sort of a finite amount that you can get your mind around, whereas the internet is infinite. Right,
2: well, that's true, but I mean, still, it doesn't mean that you have to have a login and password for every single social media site. I mean, you can't. There's tens of thousands of them. Um, but you, you choose the ones that make sense for you. Maybe experiment with a few, and if you don't like them, fine. I mean, some people are really good at photography, so they should be on Flickr. Other people are really good at video and like to watch video and or create video. YouTube is a really great, great spot. If you're really good at, at, at communicating in a 100 40 characters or less, Twitter is for you. Um, right. But if you like the longer form of writing, maybe you should be doing a blog. It doesn't mean you have to do all of them,
4: though.
1: Right. All right. So we're going to take a break, um, and we'll be right back after this message from our sponsors. <laughs>
4: sell buy, buy sell all we talk about is money talk to an expert call now now toll free 866-472-5790 866-472-5790 voice america America business.
3: business
6: and pundit, Michael DeMarco. You don't know what's coming next. The biggest radio show in the world on Voice America. Cision's communication intelligence allows organizations to tell their story effectively. Whether they're speaking to TV networks or social networks, the company's Cision Point web platform integrates the world-class Bacon's Media Database with global media monitoring and analysis services. It gives communications professionals the tools they need to optimize their performance and build corporate and brand reputation. Find us on the web at www.us.cision.com. That's us.cision.com. C-I-S-I-O-N dot com.
4: The bottom line in business. Voice America Business.
1: Welcome back again to PR Insider. I'm your host, Maureen Kedis. We are sponsored by Cision. If you missed any of our show, go to PRinsider.biz and um, we are archived. We're on demand 24-7. We've been talking with David Meerman Scott and he is the author of Secrets of Social Media Marketing. Please go out and get the book. It is fantastic. And... um, I'm sorry, Paul Gillen. Did I say, did I say David uh, Meerman
3: Scott? Yeah, mine is Secrets of Social Media I'm Marketing. I'm so sorry. If- Paul
1: Gillen, author of Secrets of Social Media Marketing, and David Meerman Scott, author of The New Rules of Marketing, two must-have books for anybody that uh, is in any kind of promotion, advertising, or um, social media. So we were talking uh, a bit about Obama and what's happening uh, with Google. Um, what is, you know, what is this Google Friend Connect? How is that going to work? Do you understand it?
2: I don't know that much about it. Paul, do you?
3: I don't understand it in deep detail, but it's what it's what I mentioned earlier. Google is trying to make the whole Internet into a social network. So the idea is that you register with Google, and then you connect with people uh, through a Google service rather than through Facebook or, or um Uh, MySpace, or or YouTube, or whatever networks you want to use, and then you have um, means to control what people can see and and, uh, can see about you, so it's it's an effort to, sort of an umbrella effort to unify the internet um, through uh, and create a single profile.
1: Right, right. Let me ask you a question. I I came across something, and I can't remember whose site it was on, but you used the term online thought leadership. What What does this mean?
2: Yeah, that's um, probably, you might have seen that online. This is David. So the idea of thought leadership is that you create really interesting information that um, answers um, questions or provides information uh, for your potential customers or your existing customers or your partners or even your employees. Um, and and, And it's a form of marketing and communications that's utterly different from what we've done before because what we've done before is talk incessantly about our products um, but the problem is that nobody cares about your products, what they care about are themselves and their problems and solving their problems. So thought leadership is this form of, of communications and marketing that instead of starting from you and your egotistical perspective, you start from the perspective of your buyers uh-huh. and understanding what their problems are. And then you create something interesting for them. It could be a video. It could be uh, some charts and graphs. It could be um, uh, an ebook, It could be blog posts. I mean, it's just something that's interesting for them. It could be, in the physical world, it could be a speech. Um, and, and that becomes your platform for delivering, uh, you know, what I call thought leadership. Um, and, and it's just a very different way of getting your word out there than just, you know harping on and on about what your stupid products do,
1: right, and it's so funny because <laughs> it, it makes me laugh because it's the, it's the it's the inner feeling that every publicist has when they meet every client who comes to them and thinks that their product is the center of the universe, and their right. or their thing that they're doing is so important, but you're really coming to, saying to a client, "You know what nobody cares about you I mean right. it's just, it's funny. and I tell
2: them that I said, nobody cares about your products, you have to get over that if you can't get over that, I can't work with you
1: right. <laughs> I love it. It's like brutal honesty, you know.
2: And, and you know what? The people who react to that um, end up doing amazing things on the web because they can put away their ego and can create things that are really interesting for people. I mean, it's the same exact thing if you go to a conference and you watch a speech. You know, the speeches that suck are the ones that are the product pitches. But right. the speeches that are really good are the ones who the people understand the audience. And it's the exact same thing with creating online content is when you understand your audience really well and you create something especially for them using the words and phrases that they use, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're reaching people in a really different way than if you're just blabbering on and on and on about what your flexible, scalable solutions for improving business process do.
1: Right. It's just amazing to me, too, if you think about it, it all comes down to emotion. And it, it's it, it's so you know the the internet and, and, and type pads are so sort of cold calculating hardware you know but but um, it all really has has come down in the last you know ten years to the emotion of people, so really the the computers have brought out emotion in us. I think it's kind of an interesting topic, and it's also come at a time when you know we're starting to be able to read minds with brain scans and.
2: I mean, Dude, that was creepy. Did you see that? Yes. Like, I mean, I think
1: <laughs> the future is going to be very interesting because maybe you know someday we'll have computers that can read our minds. But we'll have to get to that on another show. So. <laughs> so how do we? I want to ask a question of Paul. How do we get someone to buy something from using social media? I mean, how do we actually convert an audience to make an actual purchase? You know, how does that? I, I know there must be lots of ways of you know directly or indirectly but how 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 we actually you know somebody who says oh you know I want to I want to use social media and I'm yes I'm going to listen to you David and I'm going to get into the emotion of my buyer and I'm not going to be egotistical about my product but but how do I actually but in the in the on their secret is that they really do want to sell their
3: product how do we get well that? you know it's common uh, commonly understood that uh, repeat customers that the uh, the easiest and cheapest way to expand your business is to sell more to your Customers. So if you have a relationship with people they talk, and they trust you uh, and they're getting value from that relationship, they're much more likely to buy. And that may be whether you uh, whether you actually overtly ask them to buy something, or even better is when they request something. And I liken that uh, I liken social media to a cocktail party conversation where uh, if you're having a conversation with somebody at a cocktail party and someone barges up to you and starts trying to insurance, you're probably not going to be very open to that person you engage in a conversation with that person, you talk for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and then they happen to mention that they're in the insurance business, uh, you've got a trusted relationship. And if you happen to be looking for insurance at that point, you're much more likely to do business with that person. Right. So I think that it starts, ideally, it's a demand-pull scenario rather than a push scenario. And as David said earlier, marketers have been trained to push. But a, uh, a much more uh, productive sales environment is one where the customer is pulling.
1: Right, right, right. Wow. It's just a whole, whole shift. Um, So tell our listeners, because we only have a couple minutes left, about um, how they can utilize your services as consultants. David, you want to start? Paul, Paul, I don't care. David?
2: Yeah, I'm sure. This is David. Um, Well, I've got um, my book is called The New Rules of Marketing and PR. Um, It's been the number one marketing and PR book in the world since it came out in June wow. 2007. It's amazing. We've gone through 11 printings and hardcover. and paperback now, and it's being translated into 22 languages. So it's a global thing. Uh, something we really didn't talk about today, maybe another time. But this is global. You can reach people through the global market this way. Um, I've got a blog, www.webinknow.com, um, and all, that, all that's free on the blog. Um, and, and
1: Paul, quickly before we close,
3: Uh, I'd love to do social media training on-site, one-day, half-day seminars, and uh, you can find that at at Gillen.com. You can learn more about that. Thanks very much.
1: And you blog at paulgillen.com. And thanks, listeners, for uh, tuning in. And our new time, Fridays, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern, starting January 16th. This is your host, Maureen Kettis. Thanks for listening, and thank you to my wonderful guests, David Merriman Scott and Paul Gillen. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Maureen. Bye.
0: Thanks again for listening to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis. PR Insider is brought to you by Cision, helping communications experts navigate the sea of social media. Visit them on the web at us.cision.com. And make sure you join us again next Tuesday at noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Network. And have a great week.